Welcome to TSC Pods, the official podcast series of the Taipei School of Economics and Political Science. Today, let's re-log into the world of AI and understand the trend that is taking the world bite by bite. I'm Kurt Abalos and join me in today's episode with your cup of coffee as we engage in enlightening conversation with some of the brightest minds in the field of political science and economics. In its second installment on AI, this 15-minute episode will give you, our audience, a crash course in the latest developments of AI regulation and international discourse. Joining us today is Dr. Yves Tibergine, one of the teaching faculty members at TSE. In addition to his position at our school, he is a professor of political science, director emeritus of the Institute of Asian Research, and co-director of the Center of Japanese Research at the University of British Columbia in Vancouver, Canada. Without further delay, let's begin. First off, good afternoon, Dr. Tibergin, for this opportunity that we get to talk more about AI and its developments uh, in the current world, especially on regulation. So I remember that we asked three questions. We already answered the first question because um, after reading, doing some my own research on latest updates and what's the... Uh, opportunities for AI in modern day industry. Um, it gives our viewers a better understanding of what's at stake. So right now, we'll talk about the current trajectory of development around the world, um, global efforts in managing or regulating these developments, as well as possible negative effects. So without further ado, I'll let you have the mic. Great, yeah, thank you, Kurt. Uh, th this is an extremely important uh, topic. Uh, most uh, auditors will, will know that AI has been taking the world by storm since uh, the unveiling of ChatGBT last November, so a year ago. Uh, the last year has been dominated by, by extremely rapid changes, exponential change in AI, uh, and then AI regulation. So in the last months alone, there is a major development on the AI regulation front. Uh, so it's, it's an extremely intense uh, world. Uh, AI is the game changer for humanity. Uh, it opens the possibility of uh, you know, a, a complete acceleration in education, in access to information, in support for humans, uh, in every field of human activity, you know, healthcare, econ every field of the economy, uh, daily life, everything will be transformed by it. Mm. Uh, you know, ultimately, all those AI uh, you know, algorithms or you know, future machines with AI capacities uh, will have access instantly to all the information available in the whole world. For developing countries, it opens uh, more possibilities for leapfrogging uh, and for you know, going, going ahead without certain steps like you know, massive manufacturing or certain things that were done before. Uh, and so there is a lot of possibilities right, uh, of empowerment and development. The problem, and that's where we get to the regulations, is that the AI also carries a few extreme risks that we have never faced before. In fact, for some philosophers and technicians and others, uh, AI is now the number one existential risk for humans. The potential is infinite compared to anything we've seen before. The risks are also way beyond anything we've seen before. I see five buckets of risks. 
uh, three of which you can find that there is a beginning of international co cooperation because those are global public goods or so there is a lot of common interests, but two of which are more zero-sum issues and so they trigger a massive competition among countries, particularly US and China. Uh, and, and in turn, that can prevent the cooperation over the other public goods. So we have an interesting mix of issues going on at the same time. And it's, by the way, very confusing because things are moving extremely fast. Uh, they are quite technical. Uh, and most people uh, have no idea yet of how important those issues are. There is a question of individual freedom, privacy, uh, access to information, uh, and beyond that, the question of democracy. Um, so with AI, there's now the possibility with even ChatGPT, the natural language models like this, to generate content. So we can ask, you know, ChatGPT or all these other models uh, to say, let's do a picture like a Van Gogh, but of uh, a steam engine or, <laughs> you know, or anything, right? Or Shinju, of Van Gogh of Shinju, or, you know. Nothing um, much to paint there. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> all kind of information, misinformation, disinformation, all this can be created and look right. Uh, and we may not know which is which, right? So it can create extreme confusion. Uh, and that, you know, if there is such confusion on basic information and facts, democracy cannot survive. Mm. Uh, in addition, if we let, uh, you know, hiring models and justice models, etc., use AI without lots of guardrails, we're going to have massive bias, we'll have issue of, uh, you know, protection of privacy, all this disappears. There may be no more privacy, no more individual freedom, ultimately. So there's a massive question of how quickly to build up guardrails to protect uh, human rights, human freedom, and access to some basic information. Mm -hmm. Second uh, big risk is the question of so societal cohesion and power relations uh, in the sense that AI is extremely um, expensive to develop. You need lots of GPUs. You, so you need, just to train chat uh, GBT4, uh, it's estimated they use between 10,000 and 20,000 NVIDIA A100 GPU, the most advanced one, and massive computing time. Uh, and about $300 million. So basically we have massive concentration of power. Very few players can do this. Uh, and all the small players have no access. Mm. So we could very quickly see, uh, you know, very few companies, not even a dozen, control the whole human economic life and human life. So there's an extreme risk of, and, and they have access, they have a knowledge of data about us. Uh, and the ability to manipulate humans in a way that uh, we have never seen before. And so all this can generate massive inequality. You could have you know, small companies with a few hundreds or thousands uh, of employees making billions, uh, a tri actually trillion dollars of profits. And meanwhile, lots of companies going out of work and mm. a lot of people being jobless. So you can have massive inequality uh, in society and society cannot survive this. Mm. You're going to have, you know, backlash, you're going to have civil war. You know. So we have an issue of how you, how you keep a society functioning if you have such concentration of wealth and power. The third is even worse, is the existential risk at the human level. Uh, if you have autonomous AI, uh, you know, Jeff Hinton, the sort of 
the, the so-called gold godfather of AI, the former head of Google AI, uh, he puts it this way. He said, historically, you never can have something more intelligent than you working for you in a long-term way. So the question is here, how can we keep uh, things, you know, things or models uh, that are more intelligent than humans? Uh, how do we keep them working for us forever? Uh, and at which point will they take over and find that we are inefficient, we are inefficient relative to them. They now can uh, compute and, and gather information faster than humans, already now, let alone in 10 years. Uh, and so how do we make sure they don't see us as superfluous at some point? And that's Jeff Hinton. And Jeff Hinton said, until ChatGBT, he felt that the brain of humans would always be more advanced. And so AI models that he worked on for 20 years were trying to uh, get closer to the brain, but they could never surpass the brain. Hmm. But since ChatGBT suddenly realized, oh my, it's different, actually, uh, they can sur surpass the brain. They're already sur surpassing us. They're able to do certain things much better than us. Uh, so there's this existential issue. And then you have the risk of bioweapons, because now AI systems could very well reproduce the Spanish flu that killed 20% you know, uh, of humanity <laughs> in 19, uh, 18, 19, 20. Uh, they can do all kinds of stuff like that. that mm. you know, uh, there is cyber risk, there is deep fakes, there is question of health. So there's a lot of existential risk. So all those are kind of public good, common human risks. And then there's two other dimensions that are more zero-sum game. The first one is the question of economic power and economic development. Uh, here, all the major players understand that uh, AI is an industrial revolution. And in the next decade, those who control the nodes of the AI economy will control the world economy and will be ahead. That's why China, which lost the first three industrial revolutions and got colonized and, and beaten up for 150 years, mm. they're adamant not to lose this one. And that's why they're fighting so hard with the U.S. And the U.S., which, you know, the elites in the U.S. believe that U.S. dominance is required for the global order to function. So they're adamant that the way they can retain U.S. dominance is by having absolute AI dominance. And so we have a really intense uh, competition here between US and China. Uh, and with most of the rest of the world having a hard time because you need so much power and so much uh, concentration of economic resources to be able to, to compete in AI. Uh, so that's the economic battle. And then you have a security battle, uh, a state security national power competition, which goes along. Um, where the U.S. and China, again, say that AI is going to now uh, you know, decide future wars. We're going to have autonomous robot, AI robots uh, with weapons, right? We weaponized robots. Uh, and if the Pentagon is now launching programs to have a lot of those very quickly, uh, even though most scientists think that this is not safe because we cannot always control them, they could eventually turn against humans. Mm -hmm. uh, but they are more worried about China than they're worried about human survival, which is worrying for everyone else, right? Everyone else is like, you're mad, you know? <laughs> and then China, of course, is going to be worried about the U.S. going faster than them, and so they're going to do the same. And so the, 
the Cold War here you have between US and China is preventing humans from addressing this from a public good perspective. So it's actually a terribly dangerous thing. Mm. And so here we are, we had the, the summit in the UK, the UK AI Safety Summit at uh, Bletchley. Uh, first one like this, uh, it's going to be followed by one in Korea in six months that will be digital and one in France six months later. Mm. Uh, and 30 countries, 28 countries ended up signing a general principle uh, document, which has a lot of commonalities and it includes China. US, China, India, Brazil, and then Europeans and Japan and Canada and many other few African countries. Um, so they concentrate on the first three of the issues I just uh, outlined earlier. And they find we really need to work together on existential risks. They agree. But at the same time, we have announcements in US and China every week and every month about embargoes on chips yes. to block the access to GPU by China, for example. Because China is good on talent, is good on data, uh, is good on algorithm, because the algorithm are mostly open source, so everyone knows what everybody's doing. But then you need a force pillar to move fast on AI and as uh, semiconductors and GPU. And that is controlled by the US. The US has sort of a monopoly power because it's generated, you know, it's invented in the US, even though many chips are made in Taiwan, most of them actually. Uh, and so the U.S. is trying to use that monopoly uh, of the science to slow and, and, and basically uh, make sure China cannot compete. But then it creates a difficult environment to cooperate with China over existential risk for humans <laughs> if you're trying to uh, break their legs at the same time. Right? Yeah. So that's the whole picture. Uh, and all this is moving extremely fast. Mm. Uh, to summarize on regulations, uh, the EU came first in June. Uh, the EU parliaments uh, passed AI regulations that were worked on for two years, announced by the Commission in 2021. Uh, and they are interesting. They break some ground on, for example, saying we will need to have watermarking. That is, the EU will demand that any AI model operating in the EU indicates uh, that something has been created by AI, like a ChatGBT text. A paper will have to have a watermark made by ChatGBT mm. to be differentiated for humans. Mm. The Chinese regulation in August that came out have the same requirement. And so EU and China have similar concerns here and are ahead of the US. But the US now is working on similar things, is catching up to that. Mm. But China had also other concerns. They initially tried to go very far, saying that uh, if uh, some content was deep fake or could not be guaranteed for truth, then uh, the company would be liable. The company, like, like a chat GBT, would be liable. Then they have withdrawn this because the uh, Chinese tech company said this is impossible because... Uh, some third party or some user could use our technology and do fake stuff and we cannot be liable for everybody's mm. action. So they backtracked and the regulations are not as harsh as expected, but there is actually a few things that have common interest with the West, a few other things that are more Chinese specific, like they want to make sure AI doesn't threaten the regime of China. So it mm. uh, doesn't act again what they call uh, domestic national security. That's not a the same concern that we have in democracies. But, 
So there is a mixed bag, right? Some stuff that China does is really about the Chinese system. Some other stuff is more common human problem. Mm. So it's interesting. We can separate those things. Okay, that's, uh, that's some good news at least. Yeah. <laughs> so there is understanding. And at the Bletchley summit, the Chinese delegate mostly was on the same page on all the human existential risks. And in mm. fact, spoke highly for the need to act, uh, putting guardrails, etc. Oh, okay. Uh, you know, and the Europeans very much uh, on this. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the US, just before Bletchley, October 29 or 30, uh, uh, issued an executive order, 50 page long, that requires about 100 reports to be made by every unit of government. And every uh, department of the U.S. government will now need to have an AI officer, an AI chief officer. Mm-hmm. And they all need to do reports, some within 270 days, some 540 days. So there's an effort without yet regulating up front, but an, an effort to understand all the issues and to be ready to regulate in a few years. Uh, so the U.S. is also now acting uh, on many fronts. So, so, so there's a whole bunch of things where everyone could agree. But then at the same time, uh, we have this you know, very intense battle for mm. power and domination, right? So it's a very dissonant. Uh, one day you read about this intense, how we can beat China, whatever, uh, and Chinese, how do we resist that? Uh, and then another day about common human existential risk, right? Mm-hmm. So we have all this going on at the same time. Okay. okay. And that ends our episode. We hope we gave you basic information on AI and that your interest peaked throughout for you to learn more outside this episode. Thanks again for your time and we look forward to you tuning in next time. Again, this is Kurt Abelos of TSE Pods. See you next time with your cup of coffee.